Bookshop is an online bookstore with a mission we adore, to support local independent bookstores. But in this crazy world, during a pandemic, and even in normal times, more and more people are buying online. Bookshop makes it easy to get your books online and shop local at the exact same time. I love the ease of buying books impulsively from my couch, but still supporting the adorable little shops that I love to get lost in on a lazy pre-pandemic Sunday. Go to bookshop.org to find a store near you and shop a little local today. I'm Katie. I'm Erica. And this this is Book Talk. Katie. Erica. Welcome to Book Talk. Welcome to Book Talk and a new book. Yay. We're so excited to start Clara and the Sun. Yeah, I feel like this is kind of completely... Not like off base, but very different from the other books we've read so far. So I'm excited. Yeah, very different. But again, I'm just seeing it everywhere, like all over Bookstagram. Everybody's reading Claire and the Sun. So I can't wait to talk about it. If this is the first book that you're reading with us, we're so happy to have you. Uh, We will read Claire and the Sun over four episodes and chat about it each Sunday night. Each week, we'll start the episode with a quick summary so that you can catch up of where we're at before we get into the themes and discussions. So this week, we read all of part one, and we are watching Clara in the store, where she's observing people on the street, meeting Josie and her mom, um, and having conversations with her AF friends. And then we started part two, where Clara finally goes home to her forever home with Josie um, and is adjusting to life at her house, meeting Rick and her friends. Um, and going to a really awkward forced socialization party. (laughs) All right, so let's zoom out first, and I want to know what you think of the book in general and of his writing style so far. I've read summaries about this book or just like, you know, short snippets about it, and they always start in the store. And for a second, when I was reading through part one, I thought she was going to be in the store for the entire book, and I was like, this is not going to be good. (laughs) Like, we're just going to be in this store the whole time. Um, I feel that I don't love this writing style as much as I thought it would. I didn't think that this first section really, like, grabbed me the way that our other books have. I was kind of surprised, you know, when a book is so hyped, I expect to be, like, fully obsessed from the first page I think as it goes like now that we're at Josie's house we're seeing all this weird stuff at the party and I think there's a little bit of like dark foreshadowing that like some weird stuff is happening but I felt a little bit disoriented probably similar to how Clara feels and yeah I'm not loving it so far but I'm open I'm open to fall in love to go on this journey with the book. <laughs> Welcome to The Bachelor on your journey to find love with this book. Um, I think it usually takes me like half a book to determine how I feel about somebody's writing style because I feel like in the first couple, like this first section, I don't really think about it because I'm trying to like get into the story, if that makes sense. Um, but I do think it was a quick read. But I think there's a lot more to come. So I think this first section was pretty slow. I do feel like there's some kind of creepy foreshadowing, like Josie's sickness or what is what is the lifted kids? Like, I feel like, but I think the writing felt very dystopic, like in a dystopia for me. Um, I think it's also kind of hard to read the way that Clara talks to everybody in third person or first person constantly using their name. Um, and so 
I do think it's interesting, but I don't, yeah, I think we'll see where we go from here. I feel like a lot is about to happen with Rick and the other kids. And we're going to learn a lot more about this society that they're living in. Um, and then I think that will kind of draw us in, but I do think he has an easy to read writing style. I don't think it's like maybe as poetic as some of the other people we've read, read recently. Um, and the drama is definitely not like, I feel like we both just read Detransition Baby where the drama is like dripping off the pages from the first section and it's not in this one, but I think that's why this is like a completely different type of book. So yeah, I'm excited, okay, but excited I, to read the rest. I didn't think that it was super clear. Like there's times where she describes like what she's seeing and I think like maybe he's describing that like it's the way she's digitally processing visual input, but where she's like, oh, there was like a bunch of different boxes and or there were like different panels and the manager's head was in one panel and the body was in another panel. And it was like, what? Like, what is happening? I think now that it's like, oh, that's just like for a second, she's like short circuiting or something is happening with her field of vision. Or maybe that's how she's how she perceives like, because she's an artificial friend, she sees the world in, like, grid form or something. I think it is supposed to make you think, though, you're – it is weird that this book is completely from the perspective so far of an AF, which I think we've determined is an artificial friend. Um, and it is all from that super digitized perspective, but maybe it's supposed to be a little unclear because he's trying to kind of draw the parallels between what it's like to process information as an artificial friend compared to a human. Um but I do think we're seeing it through Clara's eyes, which is very interesting because Clara's a machine. So it's like, and that, you know, I think that's when whatever the pollution machine is, like these things are kind of supposed to figure out, I think. Like, what is that? And from her perspective, I think it was so weird. Was it just them like cleaning the sewers or something? I don't know. What do they do in the big city? I don't know. It was, yeah, that was <laughs> stressful. And then. So I want to talk about some of the stuff that happens in the first part, and then we can talk about the second part. In the okay. first part, we have one thing that I noted that was really weird is how the AFs avoid walking past the store, and Clara notices that. Like, they'll, like, cross the street or walk by really quick and not make eye contact, and she reads that as being ashamed that AFs are still being sold, but I got the sense that it's, like, things are going bad, and, like, it's not good to be an AF and that's why they are like ashamed to look at the other AFs because they're gonna convey how dark or difficult what it you know how it is to be an AF. That's really interesting I didn't think about that. I mean I definitely obviously they're avoiding the store but the fact they don't want them to know and I think that definitely goes into part two when we start to see more of how these people treat AFs you're like okay, maybe they don't want you to know how bad it is. I feel like we're going to be able to draw a lot of parallels between this and like real life um, now as well, which is interesting. I think Clara is like way more intuitive and emotionally intelligent than Rosa. And it's like so interesting how she, how, how differently they process information being that they're both artificial friends who are presumably like the same model or year. And they, can still differ so much in their ability to worry or their ability to like think through what's happening to the people outside. It's a great parallel between Rosa and Clara. We don't know per se if Clara is particularly gifted or talented. The manager tells her, wow, you're so intuitive and you pick up on so many things and you're very observant. 
But I found Rex to also be pretty observant and like he knew the new models that were coming in and like the machine, the weird pollution machine. So it's unclear to me at the moment if like Clara was the smart one or Rosa was just like didn't have that level of programming. Um, But maybe Clara is extra insightful. For sure. And I mean, maybe another way to look at that, too, is like maybe Rosa is like purposefully compartmentalizing it like doesn't want to think too much about it because maybe she can sense you know some people do that where they're just like well these are the walls I'm putting up for my own like safety and happiness maybe this is like an extreme version of that um because I feel like Clara is looking at the world and observing the world like like eyes wide open she's like what's going on who are these people what could they be feeling and Rosa is just like prefers to live almost in this like numb or blissfully ignorant place but she's also very easily happy like I don't know is that worse maybe not <laughs> like maybe that's the answer I thought that was so funny when she got picked and she was like do you think that the ceilings will be tall I know and like the, her family's house and you were like the things that will make you happy Rosa <laughs> you know what I love that for her it's okay I also while we're on the topic of being in the store is the manager an artificial friend I thought the manager was a human Just from the way that she interacts with the other people. It seemed like she's the salesperson who manages the AFs. Like, how do you teaches them how to be approachable? (laughs) Where your job is to, like, babysit 24-7 a bunch of AFs. Like, I don't... (laughs) So interesting. Probably easier than babysitting 24 (laughs) humans. (laughs) I don't know about that. But, yes, probably. They're much more obedient, I would assume, than children. The other AFs that we meet, are they B3s or A3s, the new yeah, model? B3s, I think. They seem to be like more to have less of this like empathy, curiosity and more like more intelligence. It, I wonder if what we'll find out is that, you know, the AI that this is built on, they're like fine tuning it with each model and like they turned up the empathy for Clara and then they're like, oops, too much. Turn it down. Push up the intelligence. Um, Because, yeah, they seemed to be really acting really strange with the other um, AFs in the store and like giggling and and, like being like mean to them. I wonder what you think the point of the AFs are. Like, is it, like, an iPhone where people just need the newest, like, gadget? Is it supposed to, like, you know, stand in as a friend to the kids who get them? Is it supposed to offer empathy? Or is it supposed to be, like, a babysitter that can, like, pack their picnics, as she said, and help them clean their rooms or, like, be their alarm? Like, what is the, like, goal of getting these? Or why would you get one for your kid, do you think? This is, like, transitioning into part two and sort of what we're seeing from this world that we're in. Um, I think so we're obviously in a future world where people don't interact with each other that often Um, you know we have this like forced socialization party so it seems like kids are homeschooled um, on zoom how ironic oh my god that's what I was just gonna say I feel like it's not homeschooled they have zoom teachers I think they're all like homeschooled by on Zoom. And I think that that's maybe not just Josie, even though I think it could be because she's sick. But I think they all are homeschooled by Zoom, which feels like a little too close to home. Dystopic there, like it's a little too. But then they have these socialization parties where it's like 
the ultimate helicopter parents who want to like solve these problems and teach their kids how to make friends. And they're like, we have to leave them alone. They have to learn to be humans, make friends, solve problems, figure things out together. And so they kind of have these like weird socialization parties. And it seems like the goal is then to go to an in-person college. Like they're learning this so that they can, then they can then be okay. So I don't know if that's the point, but it's like very, weird maybe just like underlining how important it is that kids don't just go to school to learn but they go to school to like learn to be humans I this reminds me a little bit of this book I read recently called severance which was written obviously like way before COVID but the description it's like this virus that is like slowly killing people and she lives in New York and so it's like she's going through the different stages of like corporate denial and then they're like okay like 70 percent of the office is going to work from home but some people still need to come in and it's just like it's so eerily like prescient of what happened with covid obviously on like a way worse scale um but that's what i thought of with clara i'm like oh my god this is so funny it's like a world in which kids do not get to interact with each other much like what parents have to do to recover that socialization Right. I think it's so interesting because I think this story, it's like the extreme versions of all these things we're kind of dealing with. Like we have helicopter parents right now already, but like this is a much more extreme version and we have online school, but it's temporary. And this is like that on another level. And uh, we have technology, but they're not like AF friends. And so I think it's like maybe kind of forcing us to dig into these things that we're just really on the cusp of as a society. Okay, so I think we're fully in part two now. What do you think about Rick? Either meeting Rick or like what are your what are your vibes from part one, part two? I think what we're seeing is a very real depiction of how like preteens and teenagers are. I'm still a little confused about the location. Like where are we in the world in this um, experience, the year that we're in? I don't know if this is like a distant future or like five years from now. Um, and I also don't know how old any of these kids are. Like, I got the sense they're, like, 12, 13. Mm-hmm. I okay. think they're all, like, early years of high school. Yeah. So that like makes perfect graders. sense in terms of, like, the way that they're acting. I think Rick actually has, like, the most right-sized view of Jose- or of Clara, which is, okay, this is, like, art- obviously, like, an artificial intelligence. This is, like, a glammed-up, intelligent toy. But it's not something that you should abuse. Like, he steps in to protect Clara when the kids are going to try and just, like, chuck her across the room to see what happens. Um, But, yeah, I like Rick. I like Rick, too. Yeah, okay, kids are so mean. So mean. They're evil. Ugh. Teenage boys, never again. The one thing I'm really interested to figure out about Rick is, like, why is he kind of ostracized from this group? And, like, they say things like, did – did his parents just not um, decide to go ahead? Is he not one of us? Why not? Like, poor Rick. Like, and we kind of talk about his size of his house in comparison to Josie's. Is he poor? You know, like, are his parents new age hippies? Are they like, oh, we're not doing the mainstream thing? Is this like they didn't have the money to? Are they undergoing something? Like, do you remember that creepy book? Um, I can't remember what it's called now. When you were growing up, though, I'm sure you read it, where they get, like, they undergo surgeries or things to become perfect people, like perfectly beautiful people. No. So they like, oh, well, you should read it. Maybe not in your adolescence, but like it's – I'll find it. I'll find the book. Um, But 
either way, they're like basically undergoing this to become the perfect humans, different kinds of surgeries and things become the perfect humans. So I think it's interesting what's Josie obviously has an affinity for Rick. So what do they have and why isn't Rick like a part of this part of Josie's life? I'm interested to find out. Yeah. Maybe now that you're saying it, I'm thinking like, are we even on earth? Like maybe they have gone ahead to a new planet and this is where they are. And there's like, but Rick's still there. But do are his parents? He said he'd go check on mom in the last part. Okay. Yeah. I'm just wondering like, because the, the parents said we're going to get all these predictions so wrong (laughs) oh well it's our uh, it's our it's our go-to um the parents said did they just decide not to go ahead and then the mother gets really upset and says something about Saul which I'm assuming is Josie's dad who's also clearly like not in the picture so it seems like there was like a movement towards something. There was like some maybe big societal choice and some people made it and some people didn't. So first, my very exciting news. I have two very exciting things. One is that mm. I got my first shot of the vaccine. Yay! Oh, yeah! Columbia so basically emailed us and was like, everybody who works and is commuting to Columbia's campus is qualified. Go get your vaccine. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Immediately, yes. Sign me up. Um, Yay! So that was very exciting. And... My second exciting thing is I got to revise and resubmit on one of my papers and I've basically oh, yeah. been working on it nonstop since then. <laughs> and that's it. And your study went well, though, also. I mean, it went well and not well. Yeah, but it didn't fail. And I feel like that's important to celebrate. That's true. Yeah. Anyways, I have a couple more days. It's due on a super aggressive timeline. So I have to submit it on Wednesday. But I think I think she's going to do it. I think Erica is going to come gonna through. I've been listening to all these um, self-help podcasts on uh, Life Kit, NPR's Life Kit. Highly recommend it. Mm. Um, I love Life Kit. And they talk about um, talking to yourself, like saying like, Erica, you can do this. I'm like, you know yeah, what? Yeah, and you can do this. I feel like you're much more positive this week than last week when you got the review and recently. Erica is a badass bitch. She can do this. <laughs> so I'm just saying to myself I in love the mirror. that. <laughs> Katie, what's your week like? It's been great. It's beautiful and springy here. So um, we're doing a little late brunch cookbook club uh, right after this. So I'm excited to be out in the sunshine. Um, and I'm currently reading also, and I have been like obsessively reading it. I read like 500 pages in the last two days of Whoa. Kristen Hanna's book. I know, right? The Four Winds. I don't know if you like, do you like Kristen Hanna? Have you read The Nightingale or no. Winter Garden? Never read it. Okay, well, first of all, where have you been? I don't know. Kristen Hanna books. <laughs> they are historical fiction. I don't know if that's really your jam, but they are all historical fiction. This one's about the Dust Bowl in Texas and the Great Depression, but it is so good. Also, my mom is reading it with me, and so every time I log into my Kindle, which I rarely read on a Kindle, but it's linked to hers, 
So every time I log in, it's like, here on page 76, the last read page was 105 by Sue. Which one do you want to go to? And I'm like, why are you? She's constantly like, I will catch up at night. And then she's up at like 730 reading it. I'm like, listen. That is so <laughs> cute. She finished last night and I have 25 minutes left. So. So exciting. She's also reading it like all hours of the day. Like, I don't know. What is she like? Is wow. she retired? No. Oh, pff, well. <laughs> I know. It's impressive. I was like, Mom, were you up at 1124 last night? She was like, I couldn't put it down. I had to finish it. That's so cute. I love that. Book Talk is made by me, Erica Bailey, and Katie Cheney. With production support from Dan White. Our theme music is by Dan White. We'll see you next week. the cute thing great job what are you drinking iced coffee mm, okay right solid 4 p.m drink um Ooh, okay <laughs> i'm gonna regret it yeah for sure but that's okay <laughs>